Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris, and today we have a very special guest for you guys. I mean, let's be honest, they're all very special. We only get pretty awesome people to come on this show. True. But what I will say is I have some super deep roots with this guy, Mark, from the band Hungover. As you'll hear in the podcast, I don't want to spoil anything. But they've been doing a lot lately, recently signed with Smart Punk Records, charting on them old billboard charts. We get into a lot of stuff, and and sort of this is a great... I think, building point for anyone who's trying to be in a punk rock band in 2019, I think you have to hear this episode. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the episode, this is just another episode in a great line of episodes that we have already done and we've got lined up for you. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And you can find us anywhere where podcasts go. We've got all the social medias at Talkin' Podcast. There's no G in that. T-A-L-K-I-N Podcast. Instagram, social, uh, Twitter, you know, we're everywhere. Yeah, leave a review, rate us on the good old iTunes. Yeah, you know, all that good stuff, it really helps us out. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we, we, we really do appreciate all of you guys listening and giving us your ears. And while we're on the subject of giving us your ears, Andrew and I's band The Stash, and also Sweet Tea, the producer of this podcast, we're all in a band called The Stash. So if you guys get a quick second, head over to Spotify. It's at The Stash NY, anywhere music can be found. We talk about it a lot on the show, so we figured we'd let you guys know where you could hear it. And if you give it a listen, thank you so much. Yeah, and just to continue thank yous, we want to thank everyone who's listened, subscribed, liked, rated, uh, shared our podcast. We really couldn't thank you enough. It really helps us out a lot. And also everyone behind the scenes making it happen. Sweet tea, like we said, Tristan uh, here at Chamber Audio. Always sounds good. We've got Mike Kudo on the cameras looking good. It's just thanks, guys, and we definitely couldn't do it without you. And uh, in this episode, we spoke a lot about pop and how Hungover is very much so a punk band with pop roots. So... We'll be back in a second with Three's Company by Hungover. You've been telling all your friends that I'm worthless, but I'm not so worthless when you're a few drinks in and I'm not quite sure I like that. I'm not one of those fools clinging to your every move and over when you let go. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And today, we have someone who I've known for a very long time. Very long time friend. We've played many shows. We've played living rooms. We've played small dive bars that have gotten shut down for crazy reasons. <laughs> we've played living rooms that were made out of dive bars. Yes, we, we've played a lot, of, a lot of places that you normally don't see shows being held, and now it's nice to see this guy touring consistently, uh, crushing it with his band Hungover, and, and just doing an all-around great job of growing and getting out of those living rooms. Uh, Mark from Hungover, welcome to the show, man. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're stoked to have you on. It's been a while. That was a, a great introduction. 
Thanks, man. You know, I'm trying to work on it. Um, it it's, it's one of those things where you don't want to say too much, but you really want to get that listener right up in there. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, they, you got to make them want to hear what you have to say without telling them what you're gonna say. I would like for you to just hang out with me all the time and then say that before I walk into any room. Yeah, like when you're going into work, it's like I open the door before you and I just announce it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people would probably respect me a lot more. <laughs> Dude, I mean, look, if if this thing ends up working out, like this whole podcast, you know, maybe we can do like a little tour and we can just like make one of the stops, like a, a vlog on our YouTube channel, like talking with Mark Cortez and we'll just like follow <laughs> you around all day yes. <laughs> through Orlando and whatnot. But uh, so Mark, what's, what's going on, man? It's, it's been a while since we've we've chatted and, and just talked in general. What's new? Um, I mean, not a crazy amount. We stopped touring at the end of last summer, uh, going through some changes in the band. We hit it pretty hard, uh, at the beginning of 2018. So I think we kind of needed a little break after that, uh, EP cycle. And now we're actually in the last couple of weeks, we've gotten back to writing, talking about who we're going to do the next recordings with doing that whole thing. And just, uh, getting things into gear again okay yeah um i think i think because you said that it's important to note that we are we're recording this episode early march so the listeners know this episode will probably air early may because we have a couple um episodes in in the backlog so just so people know um mark where where can where can they expect hungover to be around may you know like like spring's just taking hold what do you guys see for yourselves then um we'll probably be in a studio somewhere (laughs) honestly so so you can expect to see us on Instagram probably a lot, uh, Twitter and stuff, but maybe not touring as soon as May. That's awesome. So are you guys writing a ro- writing a lot right now, or you guys have a yeah. bunch of songs just ready to hit the studio with since you guys have been touring and writing and stuff? Um, we've been doing a lot of writing as individuals over the last few months, just kind of like uh, developing new tastes, like figuring out where we all want to go as individuals and, and that whole thing. And now we're starting to get together and, and play in like practice spaces and rooms and stuff, which is very interesting because Hungover has pretty much always been a band that writes in studio. Um, we usually come in with just uh, chords and, and melodies and stuff and then build the song in the studio. So this is a, a very new thing for us to be uh, going into. Interesting. Uh, that sounds expensive, unless you have like a friend who's just willing to let you guys sort of go through the motions of writing. Like, could you could you elaborate a little bit more on how you guys have like accomplished that in the past? Well, I, you know this. Not a lot of people do. Hungover has been a band for like four, five years now. At this point, I was originally playing guitar, and we had another singer. That singer left. And uh, they, the guys kind of all talked about it and they were like, you sing the best, so you sing now. And I was like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And we just kind of rolled with it. We recorded uh, Girlfriend was the first song that we ever did. We did that with uh, Alan Reitman. And at that point, I think I really just had chords and I, I think I had jammed it with Gabe a couple times, just guitar and drums. And we were kind of just riding off uh, the hype we got from the single and the music video and stuff. And uh, Al actually came out to, uh, we played Broadway's, like, I guess, farewell reunion show. And um, he came out to record their set. And he watched us play and came up to me afterwards and was like, I didn't know. 
And I said, what do you mean you didn't know? He said, I didn't know you guys were that good. Let's, let's hit the studio. And I said, okay, when do you want to do it? And he told me that he had gotten a job with like Microsoft or something and was about to move to Detroit. And he was moving in two weeks. And I had just started uh, hair school. I'm like a barber when I'm home. And for the first two weeks of hair school, I left hair school every day, spent five hours at Al's house, fell asleep on the couch, went back to hair school so that we could get Wilt done. And like there was a lot of moving parts in that. So that's kind of why we had to write in the studio. Um, And then he came back down after he moved to finish drums and all that stuff. And then after that, when we got picked up by Smart Punk, uh, it, it wasn't like a rush process, but I just figured we would do kind of the same thing where we went in with uh, the same like chords, melody, all that stuff. And then we would build the songs around that just because we added the three songs on to Wilt. We thought it would be more cohesive that way. So since I've been singing, we've pretty much only written in the studio kind of out of necessity for the first five songs and, and uh, out of choice for the last three. So we figured for this go around, I don't know if we're going to do some singles or an EP or an album yet, but we're definitely going to try the writing in a room thing before we hit the studio. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that is actually something kind of interesting that doesn't get talked about too much. You know, I think a lot of people are always under the impression of, well, when you get signed, well, then that's it. You have all the time in the world and that's that's the main focus. But to be completely honest with you, uh, you know, Yes, you sign to an indie label, and so there is, like, you know, you're going to get the press, you're going to get some extra money that you might not have had, but you still have to hold down a job. There's still bills that have to be paid. So, if anything, it gets harder because now you're on a deadline. So, I think it's really... absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that's something that is never really spoken about. And especially for, like, because, I I mean, I think it's safe to say that, like, you guys did crush it at first with Girlfriend Online. I remember seeing that video being shared on Facebook a bunch. But, I mean, you guys still very much so are, yeah, you've been a band for five years, but with you at the helm as the singer, and and stylistically as well, you guys have changed so much. I I would argue to say that you are very much so a baby band. Am I correct in saying that, you know? I always say that when our old singer left, that we became a new band, but just kept the same name. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be the case. I mean, of course, you know, Yes, yes, the band has stayed within the punk rock realm, but you guys are on two completely different sides of the spectrum now. Whereas Andrew doesn't really remember the original singer, um, he, he, it, they were more so, they were more so like a little more punk, a little less pop. Whereas with, with Mark and the band, they now have more of like, um, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like that, like sort of like radio pop punk feel. But there's still the punk rock roots, so it's it's very completely different sides of the spectrum. Right? Were the songs that you guys were playing at that old again farewell show were those those were older songs? Obviously, right? I believe at that point we had put Wilt out already. Yeah, yeah, you had. This was before it was re released on Smart Punk, though. Okay, oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah. So we we probably played all of Wilt. And then, like, two older songs, but they were probably songs that were written after I had at least joined. Because when, when I started playing with Hungover, uh, I started doing backup vocals as well as Austin. So they were probably those songs. 
Yeah, no, and um, so I actually wanted to uh, speak about sort of like how Smart Punk came about and, and how it's been, you know, so far. Like, are you still in your first year of working with the label, or? I think that in June it, of last year, it would have been a year, maybe. I could be wrong. No, it might be a year this year. Everything's kind of been a blur since it happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys honestly. definitely put in a lot of road time. Yeah, but uh, just getting getting into a studio was kind of hard because even before we were on Smart, we were like trying to hit it pretty hard, and I think they like wanted us to come in and, and sign after they saw us at uh, at a show. But it was our tour kickoff show, and then we came back home. And we were all like just trying to get back to normal life and. Even the process of signing took a while just because Smart Punk is a part of a larger company that's very busy, and we were just very busy as people and as a band already, which I think is part of the reason that they, they wanted to uh, pick us up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it seems to be like it's it's working out so far. I, I, I'm curious, though, what was the thought process behind re-releasing Wilt through Smart Punk? I, I know you guys touched up the songs again and stuff, but why why not uh, just come out with uh, with new material? Uh, like you like you kind of touched on before, uh, we're still a baby band, and with Wilt, we felt like we kind of had like a the sound of a quote unquote real band. We just hadn't gotten the attention yet or hadn't gotten it in the right ears or whatever the case may be. So a full length was definitely something that was spoken about when we signed. But Smart Punk brought up that they felt Will didn't get a proper release. They wanted to put it on vinyl. They wanted to distribute it through the proper channels and all that stuff. Try and get placement on Spotify playlists. So we just talked about adding more songs to Wilt, Mostly so that I don't remember if it's put out on a 10 inch or a 12 inch. But I just remember that five songs was too much for a seven inch uh, to fit. And if we were to go 10 inch, there would be a bunch of empty space on it. So we just figured we would add some songs, give the people who have been listening to us for a while something new to to grab onto while we were kind of figuring things out and uh, just give new people a uh, polished sound, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, it seemed to be for the best. Um, that 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 EP went on to chart even, which is crazy, man. Like that's I, when I saw that, I was just so stoked for you guys. I was like, yes, this is how yeah, you do I, it. I still don't understand, but, <laughs> but I'm I'm rolling with it, man. Like it's it's been cool. Like the the weirdest thing about Wilt, uh, the I I don't want to call it a deluxe version, but like the re-release is that now that we have slowed down. Our, like the music is more popular than it's ever been by us not doing anything and just having it out. It's so, so strange, but not going to question it. Well, that's like kind of the thing, like um, The Dangerous Summer. I listened to an interview a while back with the singer AJ, and uh, in the four years that they took off, they like tripled in size on streaming and Spotify with the monthly listeners. It's it's one of those things where it's like when you're always there, I think people just, they know that maybe they'll listen to it later because you guys are around. You're always doing something. And not to say that you guys was like broke up or anything, but like I think sometimes taking time off is a great way for the art to like resonate and and sort of like hit people. You know, it's like, oh, is this all I'll ever have from them? Like, please come back. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. exactly. It is cool because now we're we're starting to see people like send us messages and stuff like, hey, are you guys putting out new music this year? I saw you guys were were all playing together. Like, what's going on? Like, sending us just stuff like that, and that's been cool. 
to see people kind of waiting in anticipation to see what we're going to do next. And I don't think I've ever had that in a band before. So that's really cool. No, yeah. I mean, dude, you, you guys have definitely been going hard. And it seems to be so far, from the at least from the outside looking in, that it's going really well. Um, li- like I remember when uh, you guys all got home from, uh, I think you did like two months on the road uh, straight last year at some point. Yeah, and we, uh, did, we did like six weeks and then took off two weeks and then did another two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So how how was that experience, you know? Because I just remember reading all your guys' tweets and, and Facebook posts like, I'm so exhausted. Time to lay yeah. in bed for like four days. <laughs> I was, was going to say, like I'm, I'm tired just listening to you say that you were on tour for six weeks, like two and a half weeks. I was like, yo, I need to take a nap. Oh, yeah. Well, we had gotten to a point where I think in the year prior, we had done the East Coast like two or three times. And like kind of touched the Midwest a little bit, but we were starting to get people saying, hey, I want you in this area. I want you in this area. And whether it was one person or more, we just figured if there's if there's someone asking, we should probably try going. And we had just uh, gotten all the masters back and we decided when we announced Smart Punk and when we announced the first single and all this stuff, we want to be on the road so that people know about it. And we had a, an awesome team for that release, like Becky at Big Picture. We had, we'd worked with her a couple times before. She did an awesome job. Uh, we, had, we had just brought on John officially, and that was really, really cool. Smart Punk was doing a bunch of stuff in the press, so we wanted to just kind of capitalize on all the hype that we had, and we figured the best way to do that was to be in as many places as we possibly could. No, no. Hey, man, I mean, that sounds... Um... That sounds very logical, and it seems like the team you guys established ended up working uh, really well together. And I, I just, I'm just curious, John, who? Oh, John Ryan. John James Ryan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you mean just John? Yeah. Just, just I don't know John. if you uh, if you listen to episode three of the podcast. Um, call back. Oh to... yeah, I, I listened. Well, Mark, I, now that I know you guys are, are working with him in a professional setting, um, it's just John. Just as friends, okay. you know, friend he, to friend. I just want to let you guys know. He he considers it a treat <laughs> when people just call him John. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. It's, I just call him John. Uh, I will often call him Pop. That's, uh, that's nice. I'm sure he likes that. I don't even know how it started, but now he calls me Pop. So I guess we're both Pop. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like uh, our guitarist and drummer got into this thing of just calling each other dad like all the time. Like it's like, oh, thanks, oh, dad. Yeah. Just all the time. Yeah, I will. I will get an an occasional daddy out of him, which is always nice. Ooh, just wait until you get the zaddy with a Z. Oh, I don't know if it'll ever get to that point. Well, I don't know. Went from pop to daddy. He's he's pretty conservative, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Zaddy might be out of the question. True. He uh, he doesn't want to offend. No, I love that guy. He's the freaking man. He has done so much for our band. He's the best. And honestly, I mean, Chris talks to me about Lost a lot because it's his favorite show. I think, but. If I was going to talk to anyone else about Lost, it'd probably be John. I don't think he knows this, but I have never watched Lost. <gasps> well, he knows now. Yeah, he knows <laughs> now. Now he knows. <laughs> so, so let's dive into that. Like, what are some of the reasons why you've never watched Lost? Yeah, the listeners need to know. <laughs> this has I now just... become a, a really Lost-heavy podcast, thanks to the, the third episode, so we got to know. Um... I'm the kind of person that if people hype things up to me too much, I will never be satisfied, yep, ever. Yep. So 
around the time that like all my friends were getting into Lost and like talking about it, they were like, Mark, you have to watch this show. It's the greatest show ever made. <laughs> and it's like, okay, if you're telling me this is the greatest show ever made and I don't think it's the greatest show ever made, I'm going to hate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happened to me so, with Game of Thrones. Everyone was like, dude, you got to watch this. You love Lord of the Rings. You would love Game of Thrones. I'm like, first of all, yeah. you don't even know me. So shut up. I haven't watched that either, man. <laughs> dude, I, I watched, watched it. I watched the whole third season and it was just, you're not missing anything, dude. Okay. No, no, Mark, Mark, Mark. Hold on. You can't just a show like that. You can't just watch the third season, bro. There's a whole well, first was, and second. It was season the one my that. sister was watching, and she had already seen the first two. I wasn't going to ask her to start over. I'm not rude. Okay. Well, you just ruined it for yourself. But you know, one thing I learned, Mark, is like with Andrew, right? We hang out too much, so you run out of things to talk about. So inevitably, so obviously, we started a show where all we do is talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That I guess that's how that went. But I, I don't show Andrew music anymore. I'm done suggesting TV to him. I'm done suggesting <laughs> movies because I, I don't think it's possible to overhype Green Day. But like somehow, I, I hyped Green Jeez. Day up. Yeah, I hyped him up just enough where he only likes the trilogy, so I kind of like really fucked up. Wait, you, <laughs> so like, you only like the trilogy? Yeah. All right, hold on, hold on. First of all, don't let Chris speak on behalf of my musical taste, okay? <laughs> Second of all, did I get into Green Day probably like a decade and a half later than everyone else did? Yes. Okay? It, my Green Day phase was maybe like three years ago or something. Really? Yeah, okay. So You are an anomaly, sir. Thanks. I appreciate that. But listen, like um Dookie's cool. I don't really go back to it that much, you know. Like it was the first Green Day album I ever heard when I was younger. I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of cool. I don't know why they're talking about getting high though. It's kind of scary." But whatever. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> scary. <laughs> so, Andrew that... was uh raised very very religiously. Oh yeah, like so. my dad taped over one of my Pokemon episodes because it had like people getting possessed by Ghastly in it and he didn't oh, want me watching geez. that. And it's it's all right. I'm over it now. I've, <laughs> I've seen the episode a lot since then. Sorry, dad. But yeah, I mean, listen. You know, what's the other one? Uh American Idiot. That one's really good. That one's great. 21st Century Breakdown, pretty cool. I like that one a lot. And then Dose is probably like, I, I don't think Dose is the best Green Day album at all, because I know that, who am I to say that? But it's definitely my favorite, because it has all of my favorite songs on it. Oh. Well, I mean, Lazy whole... Bones is fucking cool. That's my favorite version <laughs> of Green Day is Lazy Bones. That's, I, that's a Chris fair is shaking opinion. his head at me. <laughs> that's a fair opinion, because if you think about it, I'm 25. I probably found Green Day when I was Same. 11. Same. So, so that was maybe even pre-MySpace. Oh, I so, think it was. It was definitely so pre-MySpace. The, the way that people shared music and stuff like that was definitely, it was kind of like like a black market. Like, oh, have you heard of this, this band? Yeah. Like, it was like, and, yo, and, I just got this thing off LimeWire, dude. Yeah, God, listen. So, I'm like, oh, shit. So there's the appeal of like, oh, I've never heard a band do this before. Mm-hmm. But now with like Spotify, Apple Music, like YouTube having access to so much stuff. If you discover Green Day now, you've already heard a million bands doing the Green Day thing. You know, Absolutely. so it's it's not as special and it's not as new. You and that. You. That is exactly why I never got into Blink-182, because I never yeah. listened to them in middle school Wait, or high school what? or anything. Yeah, I'm sorry about him, Mark. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> sorry listen, about him. Listen, Andrew, I, grew up, I grew up with one older sister who was five years older than me, and she was showing me Britney Spears and NSYNC. Like, I had a Justin Timberlake marionette puppet from the Bye 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 video. Not ashamed at all. Nice. I cut the strings off and used them as an action figure. It was sick. He was kicking ass. 
Um, but yeah, I never got into any of those bands. Like the first band I got into was Switchfoot when <laughs> I was like eleven. Your action figure was kicking ass. Switchfoot, yeah, Switchfoot dude, he was a good band. Switchfoot's amazing. But like, oh, thank then, you, Mark. That's I. That's yeah. yeah they are good. They're they amazing. But then, like, the first time I really listened to Blink-182, besides, like, all the small things in Charlie's Angels, which was, like, the first time I probably heard them, um, like, after, I was like, yeah, that song's pretty cool, but I was, like, ele- I was like nine or something, so I was like, I'm not, gonna su- I'm not gonna pursue this punk song. But then when I got older and I started hearing more songs, I was like, eh, I mean, like, it's cool, but I'm not really into punk, so I don't know why I'd want to listen to this. That's nuts, man. I mean, I obviously I, know, I right? respect Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker. And the the other one's name who fucked Blink 182 or something like that. Tom DeLonge, yeah, yeah, that one. He's cool too. But like, I don't know. It's just not for me. You know, they're doing fine without me. I don't know why everyone's so upset about <laughs> it. So, so Mark, like, the reason why Andrew was in like DIY punk is pretty much just <laughs> because like I was playing all these solo shows acoustically after like Meridian broke up and shit, and like yeah. everyone was talking over me. So I was like, all right, <laughs> fuck, I guess I do need a band. Because I was so scarred, like I never wanted to work with people again in the creative capacity. I just felt so let down by everyone yeah. around me, you know? So, But I was like, all right, well, I need a band, and um, Andrew's my friend, so he could play bass. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. I, I am not a bass player, but I can play the bass. Yeah, so I kind of forced him into the whole like, Let's go play punk holes up and down the East Coast life. <laughs> he, he was not doing that before me. No, before yes, that, nuts. I was selling t-shirts for a pop band staying in hotels every night. So it was definitely a big 180. Yeah. What? Yeah, I was, I was spoiled. Nuts. I was spoiled on my first tours. I get that. Because uh, <laughs> my first tour ever, I don't, I don't know if you guys were into like uh, like MySpace, Cine Weenie, Post Hardcore at all. Uh, like like what what bands? I was uh, I was definitely not. <laughs> my my first tour, I played bass for Broadway. If you've heard of Broadway before, of course. Oh, I love Cats. Yeah. I've heard of Broadway. So, <laughs> um, and my first tour ever, uh, we opened for Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, and we okay. played like I know like that. Flyleaf's comeback show. Okay, I know Flyleaf, and, like, Cartel, and Hawthorne Heights. A couple times we played with on that tour. So I went from that, uh, and I thought I was going to do that forever, to Broadway breaking up. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to start a band with my buddies. And that didn't work out. And that's actually how I started playing guitar and hung over. And then as soon as that started going well, like locally, I was like, oh, let's go on tour because this is what tour is like. And then we started touring, and I was like, this is freaking miserable. <laughs> like, this is so terrible. So so in in a sense, it was almost natural that sean would get the call or however you guys proposed for him to join hungover oh yeah yeah absolutely the i didn't it's funny the whole situation with sean because when that change happened in our band um i initially called uh the other guitar player that was in broadway when i was playing bass for them felipe but he had just gotten the offer to join slaves so he picked that up and he was like, oh, Sean wants to play guitar. And the last time I spoke to Sean, he was like, I'm just going to be a chef. Because he's like, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram or whatever, but he's like a super talented chef at this super fancy restaurant where like he makes like five-star meat. I don't know, like food lingo or whatever. But he's like a like a fine dining chef. So I didn't think that he was going to be interested. And then I found out that he like had the bug for it. And we started hopping on the phone. And at that point, None of the guys had met Sean ever. Uh, so I had him come out, and I, I didn't know this. The moment that I told Sean I wanted him to be in the band, he 
started listening to Wilt on Spotify and learned all the rhythm parts and all the lead parts just in case. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, um, when when I had seen you guys at Amityville Music Hall in Long Island, um, it was actually my first introduction to Sean because, you know, I was friends with your previous guitar players and stuff um, just from yeah. the, the DIY touring back in the day. And so I said to him, I was like, hey, man, so like, because I, I knew he was in Broadside and I pretty much just asked him, I was like, so, dude, I, I'm curious, like, what was it like, like joining this band? Because I know, like, you're, you're kind of like starting over a bit with these guys. And he's like, dude, I am just so excited to be back in a band. It's been too <laughs> yeah. long. Like, I'll never forget the way he said it. And I was like, well, hell yeah, man, you guys rock. Dude, Sean is a different kind of animal, man. He, like, was made to do this. Sean, like, loves the grind. He doesn't care if we play to one person or a thousand people. Like, he will play the same way every time. And he's been a great addition because he is infectious with that. Like we all have that attitude now to where like, let's say we were in a random, uh, a random city on the East coast and no one came to play. Like we would like be so upset. We would still play the same, but like we would be so bummed. But Sean kind of put this attitude in our band. Like if there are five people that are watching us, five people are going to like our band. If we have anything to say about it. No, so, dude, that that's that's pretty much the the school of of like thought that I grew up on, you know? Like we would do these tours and I would always get so upset like when after a show everyone would be like we'd be in like we used to play this spot, the Coca-Cola Event Center in Charlottesville, North Carolina. Uh-huh. S- sounds like this huge venue, right? So incredible. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever amazing. have you ever heard of that, Mark? You ever heard of that place? No. Wait, say the I don't name think again. I've played there. Oh, okay. It was like a venue for two years. It was literally just like a VFW hall. That what's, some what's it called? The Coca Cola Event Center wow. in Charlottesville. Yeah, sounds like yeah, like sounds where fancy. it sounds like where Warp Tour goes. Yeah, it sounds huge, right? But I mean, every time we'd play this place, there was like only five kids, and like we did it on our first three tours in Meridian, and I would be like, "Yo, you guys are really like, you don't get it. Like one day we're gonna come back here, and it's gonna be packed." And you know, on our third tour, two years later, we came back. We played once on the way down to five people, and on the way back up, the kid booked us booked us again to help us get some money to get home. And there was like a hundred kids there, and I was like, That's "I told awesome. you guys, That's this awesome, is how it dude. works. It's not gonna happen the first time. Might not happen the second time, but it will happen." That is how I feel about all of New York. Like <laughs> on the on the first few tours, like. There were some good shows, like, uh, I think on our, our first tour ever, we played with Young Culture in their hometown. That did well, but, like, every other show that we played in that area just was not great. And after a few tours, like, we started playing this, these crazy shows, and thanks to bands like you guys and, and Makeshift and Young Culture and just, like, that whole scene keep flying, even though they're kind of from all over the Northeast, like, we have gotten some notoriety up there and people get excited to see us. Like, I think the last time we played Long Island, like at Amityville, if it didn't sell out, it was close to selling out. No, dude. Yeah. I mean, I I remember. And, um, we, you know, that pizza place, unfortunately that I would book shows at, um, it's no longer my place pizza. Yeah. Shout out. Dude, that was shout out. Pat's night. I have ever had on tour. <laughs> oh, really? Why is that? that? Was, Why so, did you meet Pizza just, Jesus? Was it one of those times? What was the dude's name? Luciano, I think. Was Ferrara? the guy who was who? No, the guy oh, who was running. Oh yeah. yeah, he was like he was there for a minute. Yeah, good memory. Yeah, like so. I don't. I don't know if if you know this, but I'm not like an artist by any means. 
but just like as a as a means to express and like kind of get out some anxiety i doodle a pretty good amount like i have tons of sketchbooks at home filled with like random ideas or just things that i jot down next to drawings or whatever um and just that day i don't know what it was but i was like feeling kind of weird so i just sat down and i think i might have even ordered something and i was doodling in my in my sketchbook and he has not spoken to me at all he walks over to me and asks me to start doodling on the menu that they hang up above the like the cash register and stuff and it was it was so weird he gave me like a beer for it and then he like put on <laughs> sunglasses and asked to take a picture with us and like he was super abrasive about the whole thing it sounds like something really nice but he like, <laughs> it really he does was, like, i know such a it's he was so strong in his personality and like so passionate about everything that so it you can like say that he forced it on you if you want yeah like, like okay he get it out do it and then like a few hours later like after that situation kind of like dissolved and i like made the drawing for him or whatever he starts rolling a blunt during <laughs> like like during shop hours like the pizza shop was open starts rolling a blunt tells all the patrons to leave i don't know if you guys were there for this I definitely was the doors, not there. And there were still people who were there for the show in the building. He's, and then this girl is like, oh, like, not, I don't, and she was either asthmatic or allergic to marijuana or something. She was like, oh, I can't, like, be in here when you're doing that. I have to go. And, like, the door was locked. And he lights the blunt and starts, like, laughing at her. And I was oh like, dude, God. this is fucking crazy. Like, it was. <laughs> I'm so sorry so about that. Rough. Dude, welcome like, to the Poughkeepsie. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> um, it's good, dude. It made for a really funny story. Like, it was a great story. Time, I was super troubled. Like, I was like, how are we going to get... <laughs> I think every, everybody left through that really sketchy back room. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, the, like, oh, you mean the kitchen. kitchen? I was just about to say, oh, the kitchen. <laughs> no, dude, that was not a kitchen. That was the, like a, that was a dungeon. No, like, you're right. It's so the green It's the green room. <laughs> it it's was the green a dungeon. Room. Dude, I've been there so many times, but it's so funny to hear you describe the building off of one what's, experience. What's great is that like everyone has their own My Place Pizza story, and none of them are the same story, and they're all so, so Poughkeepsie Main Street. The show was <laughs> dope. I loved the show. And then I, I remembered we walked over to this upstairs venue down the street. Right, afterwards. the loft. The loft, yeah. I remember yes. that. And we met John Alund, who is booking our show the next day. And I was like, Chris is such a cool guy, but why didn't he book our show here? <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like, that's, it was such a weird place and experience. I didn't know if like you knew that guy and you were booking through like that guy specifically. Cause like I was, I think I had met you one or two times before that, but just that whole experience was so weird. Cause I feel like I went from like, this crazy dude in a pizza shop and saw like Poughkeepsie DIY went to a, a Spanish place around the corner and then walked to uh, the loft and saw like this crazy show happening. It, and it's, it's two venues. If I, if I'm not mistaken, right. That Correct. loft, the mm -hmm. loft yeah, so and then underneath it is the chance. Yeah. So there were two shows going on and like the chance is that, is that a bigger room? Yes. Yeah. It's a theater. Okay. Ja Rule so just a, played there. Gee, okay so that makes sense <laughs> like there was a bigger show going on downstairs and then like like not like a diy show but not like a mainstream show going on upstairs and then like our diy show around the corner 
And I was like, in three hours, I've seen all of Poughkeepsie's music scene. I feel like <laughs> it was, it was such a weird day, man. Well, if if at the chance it was like a Kiss cover band, then yeah, you've definitely seen all of yeah, Poughkeepsie's yeah, music. All <laughs> definitely yeah, big into the classic rock cover bands. We don't get Kiss cover bands, but because we have that the House of Blues down in Orlando, there's a lot of cover bands. There's like a strictly '90s one. There's a Queen cover band. Well, um, what's the name of the '90s one? I might have to drive down and uh, check that out i don't know i think no she didn't do that to her uh but nia just took pictures of them i think okay uh, so so i will i will let you guys know i'll go back and look well the reason i booked you at the pizza place mark is and and i'll i'll, I'll throw some insider right, information here right here on the here podcast Basically, the loft and the chance they want you to pay them at least like last i checked 400 bucks to rent the room and okay. I don't think the 60 people or 70 people that came out to that show on a Thursday night, because I remember it was Thursday night. I had a final. I asked my teacher, I was like, look, man, I know my presentation slated for like nine, but like I'm booking a show and I probably should have told you like weeks ago because this has been locked in. But I'm telling you now. And if I can leave early, it'd be really cool because I have like my <laughs> friends from Florida up here and they don't know where the hell they are. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, all right, just go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But, uh, but Pat, mean, you know, Pat didn't take rent. So he was just like, yeah, throw the show, man. Have a good, like, that was what was so cool about yeah. that spot. It's like, Pat yeah, was just it like. It was really more Pat than the spot. It's. Yeah. Luciano wasn't a, a, a permanent member of the, the pizza place. Pat Fitzgerald, God, he's yeah. the owner. He was the owner. And um, he, he did a lot for the punk rock scene when the Loft and Chance were like really just like trying to steal the little pennies that were left from all the local bands around here. Yeah, yeah, my only my only Pat story is we played a show either on the 4th of July or on the 3rd of July or something. And before anyone got there and we were all setting up and stuff, he just goes, hey, everyone who's of age, come over here. Have a beer for America's birthday. I was like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> a cool America. spot. I'm sorry you had like kind of a weird experience. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I don't I, even don't know who me. this guy is you're talking about. So, it, he, it's, you know, it, they, there were eras of My Place Pizza. <laughs> Don't don't get me wrong. I was super grateful for that show because you know people actually came out and like That's it true. went smoothly. That and, is like, one thing I, about the pizza places. Kids came out. I love a good floor show, and that's where, if I'm not mistaken, that's also the first time we met Makeshift. So yeah, I yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely was. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and it you know, Luciano Makeshift, and there was another band that was sick. That at Lakeside, Lakeside, maybe? yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakeside, the Johnny, boys. Uh, I guess. You know, we'll just say it on the podcast right now. Johnny of Lakeside's uh, slated for episode number 34. So uh, keep oh, your eyes peeled. Yeah. We're very excited about that. Have yeah. you done the podcast yet? No, no. He was actually our episode zero, um, sort okay. of our test episode, which maybe we'll release one day. Maybe. It got well, a little well, out of hand. But yeah, no, I'm glad well, you liked them. I remember you told me you thought they were gnarly. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know if he'll remember me, but tell him I said what's up. I will. He, he <laughs> listens every week, so he'll hear this episode at some point. Oh, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so mark man take take us back because you were referencing you know from orlando you have people joining slaves you have um bands like broadway bands. you had uh old again S some of those dudes went on to join broadside like that seems you had you had ariana grande right it seems to be well yeah i guess so it seems <laughs> to be like a hot spot for music like like what was it like growing up in that scene like what piqued your interest like take take us back and sort of bring us through the experience of that orlando scene Dude, growing up here was freaking nutty. Like, I'm not even from, like, Orlando proper. I'm from Kissimmee. Um, and even before that, I'm from Long Island. So, But you're a Florida... Oh, so you're not even a Florida native. 
no, not by birth. I moved to Kissimmee when I was I was six. So I'm All basically right. a, a Florida boy. That's fair. But, that's fair. Um, so growing up in Kissimmee, my mom wouldn't drive me anywhere. But there was a a huge scene revolved around this thing called Second Saturday Showcase, and it happened at North Kissimmee Baptist Church. And the only reason my mom was cool with bringing me to these shows and dropping me off by myself was because it was at a church. So from as young as I can remember going to shows, I would have her drive me to this church. And like the, the scene that would always come through is like burden of a day. I think Oceana might've played there. Whoa. Broadway. Um, did your, did your mom stay for the show as well? Oh, never. She I would, was going to let me come back. I was going to say, I was like, it's yeah. weird that your mom was like, yeah, that's fine. Since it's at a church and then see bands like that and be like, yeah, we can definitely come back. Well, Oceana yeah. was a Christian band, but yeah, but you, yeah. The message might have gotten misconstrued. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) A quote, a quote unquote, you know, godly woman wouldn't be trying to decipher the lyrics from those scary screams, right? Yeah, and that that was that was where I got kind of lucky too. Is that like she was? I grew up like Catholic, but she wasn't like super pushy or uh, or like super invasive of my space. She kind of like really let me be my own person, which was super cool. Cause a lot of the friends that I grew up with, like, especially in church were like not allowed to do a lot of the things that I would do. And I think that not driving me places was mostly just like, I was 14 and she didn't want me just downtown by myself, you know, and she wasn't trying to go to shows either. And then as I got older, uh, we were lucky enough to have like house of blues and what, what is now Disney Springs. So then I like, when I got into high school, I started seeing like a day to remember and, and bands like that there and it was just there was so much access as i got older to see all these bands and it was it was crazy like i remember probably my senior year every weekend and most weekdays i was trying to go to a show because there was just so much stuff happening and there was so many people trying to help the scene out and like bands on every level would get like the attention they deserved and it was just it was a cool place to be playing music and a cool place to see music happen. No, yeah. I mean, I've only, like, like when we were doing the DIY touring thing, like, the goal of all of our tours was, and I'm talking, you know, 2011 to, like, uh, 2014, 15, like, when we were in the punk rock scene, we, we, we would always be like, all right, look, all the shows along the East Coast might suck, but if we can just get to Florida... Oh like, yeah, you know what Florida I mean. Florida was like the promised land. Yeah, yeah. The crazy. The crazy thing about Florida is, I think the reason that so many bands get pumped out of here that are like really good bands are talented people do not want to be here at all because there's, <laughs> there's like up until recently totally in Orlando, that. there wasn't like a crazy amount of people to do, and it's like it's very stereotypical pop punk, like get out of my hometown, but. A lot of people just like wanted so to, up. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's just a lot of people trying to get out of here, and they say music. They see music as a vehicle to do so, but the one thing that like music lovers and people who play music and all that stuff can really say is that one thing you can do to escape the nothingness in like small town Florida is go to a good old fashioned DIY show, and those bands become bigger, and they go tour, and then they tour in other areas, and they're like guys, the shows in Florida are crazy. You have to come down here. There's so much going on. And then those bands come down here and all a band really has to do is like, oh, hey, uh, this band that we love from North Carolina is playing tonight. 
go see them. And then 80 kids show up because they just want to go to a show. And people here to this day, not as much as when I was younger, but they still want to go to shows for the sake of going to shows. For example, tonight, um, do you, do you guys know Glazed or Bliss? Uh, uh, you just cut out for yeah, a second. Sorry. Say that again. Oh, do you guys know Glazed or Bliss? No, not familiar no. with those. I okay. can't say I do. So, so Glazed and Bliss are bands that we played with on our first like weekender ever, and not as much Bliss, but definitely Glazed. We have a really strong relationship with. Uh, we champion those guys down here, and now like every time I see Glazed in Central Florida, like there's at least like twenty people who know them and buy merch, and like they know what's up and stuff, and. Like I'm gonna go see them tonight after work, and I hope like everybody shows up, and we're gonna tweet about it, and we're gonna post about it because like that's just what you do when you're in DIY or you have been in DIY. Like you support other bands because they're trying to do the same things that you are, and they're just trying to make it happen and like live their dream and do the thing that I was just talking about, like get out of their town and see the world and play and, and just do it through music. And there's honestly nothing cooler than that. Dude, you know that that is something that I've spoken about on this show a lot already. Um, it's like, that is one of the things that kept me coming back, right? Like the, the whole DIY community mentality. Um, there was a lot of that in our scene, um, when you were doing stuff, but when you weren't, it wasn't so much there, but I really felt that in Florida, you know, like I, I still have friends from my first tour, like Dom from Broadside, who was on the show. Dude, Dom, oh, Dom did the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His episode is uh, it came out a few weeks before yours. Don't you remember? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You, you definitely listened to it, man. Oh man. But but okay. like like you said, man. Like there is such a sense of community in your scene down there that I just like it's it's so admirable, you know. And I feel like that's got to be a way to keep like when the bigger when you know when the bands come up and they get signed, it's got to be a way to sort of keep this like young because we don't have younger kids funneling through anymore in Poughkeepsie, you know. Like we're, we're the yeah. last of the few that are still going. All the bands that we have right now. And so, like, it's well, super music sad. Is, music is changing, and the way people consume media is changing. And just like kids don't grow up going to shows anymore, they go up, uh, they grow up seeing their favorite YouTuber perform, or they watch covers on YouTube, or they do that whole thing. So everything is like very much on the internet. And I, I know that as soon as those kids get exposed to like a real quote unquote punk rock show or DIY or something like that like their passion will follow but it's just not happening as much because there's so much stuff to be distracted by that going to your uncle Lou's or your my place pizza or your drunken horse pub or like uncle whatever DIY, yeah or whatever diy venue you have around the country like kids don't want to do that because they're like why am i going to go to that floor show when i can just stay home and watch whatever i want and it's in my hand like for free pretty and, much. and, and yeah, that's what that's free. what i respect about you guys because you guys are just like there is no ego there is no you know there is no stuck up mentality like i've seen so many people that i've known who, who go on to be successful and just completely disown where they came from but it's like you know everyone starts off as a local artist to somewhere well two things one I don't think we're successful. Which is why <laughs> no, but you you know why. what I mean. Like you guys are are oh, paving yeah. your way, and you're seeing success, yeah. and it's going well. And just the way I feel about that is like, unless you're like selling out Madison Square Garden, like there's no reason to have an ego. You could always be doing more. You could always be doing something better. There's always someone who's a better player than you, who's a better singer than you, mm -hmm. who's making better music than you. And like, I don't see that as like competition. 
I see that as like, whoa, I need to do something even more inventive, or I need to be even more creative, or I need to push myself in this direction or that direction or whatever. So it's just, there's always room to grow in this. And if you, if you think you're at the top, then you're at the bottom. You know what I mean? Like everybody's, everybody has been a local band. So everybody still is a local band. Like that's still in you. That's still part of your foundation. Like it's just about where you go from there and how you handle yourself, you know? I couldn't have said it any better myself, to be completely yeah, honest with so you. And, and that is why I think that you guys will continue to keep succeeding because of that I really mentality. Hope so, man. Now, oh, I, really I know so, dude. I, I for sure. Trust me. Now, <laughs> so we we know that you're going to be, uh, you know, successful. This band's going to continue to grow because how could you not? But I've got a question for you. When you get to that, you know, bigger level of success, you see another band from Florida, a day to remember. They've got. Just as many songs about I hate this town it's so washed up, but they have a whole album called Homesick. So, do you think when you're at that point, you're going to be having more songs about getting out of Florida or going back to Florida? Because I really want to know. I don't know that I've ever written a song about getting out of Florida. Um, well, I think you might have just answered my question then. I don't know that I'll ever write a song about wanting to get back to Florida. Do you think you'll write a song I... about getting back to Long Island since that's in, that's where you said you were born? Um. That's an interesting feeling because I moved down so early that like I don't have like long-term friends up there that I've known since I was a kid. Like I remember Long Island fondly and like I think there's a really special feeling about a Long Island summer that I really love. True. Um but I like going there in the capacity that I go now where I go up and I see people like Chris or I see people like makeshifts or Young Culture will come down or Audrey will come down or I'll get to see Keep Flying or whatever. Like, I think it's nice to visit, but I don't know that I'll ever be back on the island for good. Well, well, thanks for putting in a lot more thought into answering a question I did not put any thought into asking. That's fair. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it was a silly question because it is very contradictory with it, how a data member does present that. But uh, yeah, Mark, man, I don't know how it happened. Almost fifty minutes has flown by, and I could keep talking with you. Uh, this has been a complete <laughs> yeah. delight. Yeah, I want to continue to pick your brain about Florida and Long Island when we're off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but but that just means that we'll have to uh, we'll have to have you back on the show. You know, a little later on into this uh, this show's yeah. lifespan. Are you free for episode uh, one seventy five? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look at my book I'll see what's going on yeah yeah you get back but, to us thanks man we'll definitely we'll definitely be well I don't want to say definitely but if I have anything to say about it we will be putting out music before 2019 is over so maybe when we have some stuff out we'll have some uh, more stuff to talk about yeah no very cool and, and where can people find you where can people stay up to date with, with all things Mark and all things Hungover uh, Hungover is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and it's all hungover band. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram as I think my Twitter is Mark is fleeting. And my uh, Instagram is Mark Anthony Cortez. Very cool, Mark. Well, thank you so much for, for jumping on the show and hanging out with us today. It's been an absolute delight. Yeah, thanks, man. Dude, Thank you guys for having me. It was and, a pleasure. And what song by hungover would you like the people to hear right now? Um, let's do Sleep Alone. That one doesn't get a lot of love. Beautiful. We'll be right back with Sleep Alone by Hungover. You never sleep alone. The monsters come out of your eye. I'm going to bed with you. 
I can hardly breathe. Man.